At the end of the day, I think that is a very big driver of performance, arguably a bigger driver of performance than like finger strength or anything like that. No, no, I'm going to delete that. <laughs> this is all finger strength all the time. I know, I'm sorry. Hey y'all, I'm Ryan Devlin and welcome to the Struggle Climbing Show's Pro Clinic on 10 ways to start the new year off right with one of the most thoughtful and insightful climbing coaches around, the rock philosopher himself, coach Jay Fire, Jesse Firestone. Jesse's been climbing for 17 years, he's sent up to V12 and 513 plus, and he's developed some of the hardest bouldering in Oregon, including many noteworthy highballs. This guy knows what he's talking about. He's coached climbers around the world, from those who have only been climbing for a few months to those sending V13 and participating in World Cups. In his personal coaching and also through Camp 4 Human Performance, Jesse's philosophy emphasizes longevity, fulfillment, and exploring the non-physical factors that influence performance. Now this makes him the perfect pro to conduct this clinic on how we can all best reflect on the year that we're closing out and then put some intentionality into the year to come. One of the things that I just love about Jesse's style of coaching is how much emphasis he places on the importance of lifestyle, not just taking cookie cutter approaches to how our training fits into things. And Jesse's list today offers a perfect balance, y'all, of practical steps, yes, some very practical things that we can do, but also thought experiments that we can all take in order to level up in 2024, whether that means climbing the next grade, busting through a plateau, or just having that much more fun when we get to the gym or the crag. And if y'all want some audio clickbait, something that Jesse and I poke a little bit of fun at here in this chat, here it is. Coach Jfire shares the type of finger training that he recommends everyone switch to in 2024. There you have it. Sorry, Jesse, I just couldn't resist. Now, the first part of this pro clinic is brought to you ad-free and at zero cost thanks to patrons and subscribers of the show. Thank you guys so much. And guess what? Right now, you can join the Struggle Fam with a free trial and get instant access to more than 30 hours of bonus content that's going to help you level up your training and your climbing, I have no doubt. I'm so pumped for that, and I'm going to tell you more about it in just a little bit here. But first, let's set ourselves up for our best climbing year yet with Coach Jesse Firestone. Super excited to be doing this with you. It's kind of a long time in the making. I've been enjoying the stuff that you've done with Steven, the stuff that you're doing with you know, everybody at Camp 4 and the podcast there. But I, I really think you put out some of the more thoughtful content on Instagram, which isn't a platform that's really particularly well suited for thoughtful content. But, you know, yourself and Dave McLeod and Useful Coach, and, you know, there are people out there who are putting longer form, more thoughtful content out. And I've appreciated it. I'm not sure how much <laughs> it's like how clickbaity it is, but uh, but I think, you know, kind of intentionally, you you are not trying to make it such. Yeah, well, I feel like if, if, somebody, if somebody doesn't want to read something and get into the nuance of it, then I'm probably not the coach for them anyway. So it's sort of like a natural filter. But thanks, that's great company. I'm happy to be in that company. I don't have a wonderful uh, UK accent like those two, but... <laughs> Oh man, it's yeah. Dave McLeod. I could listen to that guy read a grocery list. It's it's so it's so delightful. 
Um, and sometimes you need subtitles. Yeah. Like I've had a couple conversations with him and I'm just like, hold on, slow down. You know how NPR, NPR sells, or not sells, but they give away like prizes of you can get your cell phone ringtone or whatever, your voicemail message recorded right. by, I forget the guy's name, but the wait, wait, don't tell me guy. Like Dave McLeod yeah, should yeah. definitely raffle off that. <laughs> you can get it in his voice. That's <laughs> that's great. I would totally do that. Oh man, Dave could have like a little second career here doing voicemail greetings for people. Well, look, man, uh, let's let's jump in. Uh, obviously, we're we're here. Uh, this is a pro clinic. We're going to talk about a topic, and that topic is how we can start the new year off in the best possible way. And I know you've come prepared, as you always do. You got a list there, but maybe before we dive in. You know, you were just telling me about this past year that you had where you traveled a lot, you got engaged, you moved into a new house, and, you know, that's like very real human stuff to be doing. And I think a lot of people, whether they're at school or working or have kids, we have a lot going on from year to year. Typically, climbing is like a fun, passionate, creative outlet for us, right? And for me, you know, very similar. I'm juggling a couple jobs and a couple kids and this kind of thing. And so maybe before we dive into your list, uh, we could just talk a little bit about how you look at and how you work with clients on their climbing, like in general, like kind of how it fits within lifestyle, you know, or, or how we prioritize different life events, including climbing. Yeah, that's amazing. I feel like you you read my mind because while I was brainstorming, well, actually, hey, before I jump in really hard, my levels are all good and everything. I'm, I don't oh, need yeah. to lean in We're more. Good. Sound, sound good? Look okay. great. Yeah, no. So I, I wrote this whole list. I wrote the list, you know, and I think my list is probably abs more abstract than a lot of people's start the new year right list is because I don't want to put, I don't want to put obligations on people just like you're saying. And so I wrote this whole list and then I, I scrolled up above the list and I wrote, okay, you know, number zero, like remember you don't have to optimize. You don't have to train. You don't have to like do the hardest thing you've ever done every time you go out. And like, I just want, if people only listen to the first five minutes of the podcast, I want them to know that like, even though we're going to get into strategy and nuance and like stuff that you could do to try to improve your climbing, like you don't have to do all that stuff. And if your big goal for 2024 is just to go climbing and like enjoy it for what it is, like I fully support that. And that's fine. I just feel like the whole world gets really caught up in like, you know, you have to hire a coach and you have to like optimize every second and you need your training to be in a spreadsheet. And it's like, no, I mean, I didn't do that for m the majority of my climbing life. Most of my training was really haphazard. And some of that was a cluster, you know, it worked out. I'm still here climbing pretty good now. So <laughs> I feel like it's okay. Yeah. So I just I want people to know that. off the top, like, you know, we're talking about the last 1%, the first 99% is just going climbing and enjoying it for what it is. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I think, and I think, by the way, it's worth spending maybe a few minutes on that for a second because I've been experiencing this myself recently as I've very publicly, you know, taken on this project that I is the hardest climb I want to do. And it's like I've got this series, the road to 513A and this kind of thing. And while I tend to be motivated by making some of my goals public, like even starting this podcast and this kind of thing is like I get it out there. I'm like, I'm going to do this thing. And that kind of helps me to keep myself accountable. Um, it also brings in a little, you know, layer of pressure and some anxiety that comes with that. And, you know, the holidays are coming up and I'm like, oh God, I'm, I'm only two moves away from the chains. I have to find that extra day to get out, but I also have to go Christmas shopping and these kinds of things. And so I'm curious from where you sit, having worked with many clients now, and also just being a human yourself who rock climbs 
where do you see us holding this kind of balance between saying, yeah, you don't have to do any of this stuff. You can just go out and climb and have fun with this other side, which is like being driven and wanting to progress and wanting to get better and finding joy in that. But also there can be a little bit of discomfort in, in conflict in that because it doesn't come easy, you know, like if you're pushing yourself. So I don't know, like where, where do you see, whether it's for yourself personally or clients that you work with that finding that balance between being driven and also not maybe driving ourselves crazy. I think that's a, that's the, that's the, really the $64,000 question because it is sort of self-contradictory, right? For me to be a coach and to broadcast myself as like helping people progress. But then I also, I'm happy to go on a podcast and in the first five minutes be like, it's okay if you don't want to do that. You know, I get that's like sort of a, it's sort of a catch 22, but the truth is like, the best clients and, and the climbers that progress the fastest are the people that are the most intrinsically motivated. And if you're super intrinsically motivated, you're going to find a way to like go try your project once and buy Christmas presents on the way home, you know, or you're going to find a way to like buy them online. You know, maybe you go try your project and you sleep a little bit less after you've tried it, you know, and you spend that time shopping online. Like you figure out how to fit it in if it's really, truly important to you. And, and like you said, yeah, I've had kind of a crazy year, but that didn't stop me from like performing at a high level this year. I just figured out, I sacrificed the things that I needed to and I got the stuff done that I had to. And I, you know, figured out how to perform in the in-between. I think a lot of that does come with experience. You just, as you get older and you've been in the sport longer, you learn like the opportunities to perform. They, sh they shrink no matter what, because you just have more and more responsibilities and you just learn how to get in the zone by necessity. Because if you don't, then you that opportunity passes you by and you don't know when the next one's going to be. So best of luck. I hope you get a chance to get out there and try it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's not I'm, easy. I've certainly been more productive in my life when I have more things going on. And I, I don't think that's like some sort of rare phenomenon. It's just, you know, it tends to be like the more things you have going, the more focused and potent you need to be with those little blocks of time that you get. And you can't dawdle around and sit at the gym for three hours and try a problem every 15 minutes and just be on like Instagram or chit chatting. Like I, I choose to yeah. go to the gym these days without friends because I just know that I'm going to get more done if I can go by myself and throw my music in my ears and just like jam. Then while sometimes, I mean, you know, every once in a while I'll go with friends because it's, but I choose that to be more of a social occasion. That could be like going to see a movie or something because inevitably I get more done if I can just get in and get out. And that's also the season of yeah. life that I'm in. And, and people who are listening right now, I see, you know, I met people at the Crag that, that have been listening to this show for a bit and they just graduated college and they're about to embark on a road trip and climbing trip. And, you know, they're in a different season of life. They've, they got all the time and no cares in the world and they're going to plow themselves into climbing and live off a couple bucks a day. And, you know, I'm a father of two kids and got a couple jobs and I'm kind of at a different season and am trying hard because I'm almost racing against the clock to some extent, it feels like, with regard to my health and my strength. Although Dave McLeod assures me that I can... Yeah, um, you got so much time, man. Strongly. Yeah, okay, maybe I'm jumping the gun on that a little bit. So You are. I, again, before I guess maybe I'll, I'll hand this off to you because this is your pro clinic, uh, but is there a way that we should, as you get into this list, you've started with point zero there, which is... Hey, you don't have to do any of this, but let's go to maybe point five. We're listening because we do want to start the year off right. We are driven. We do want to progress. We probably have a bunch of shit going on. So yeah. we're going to have to fit 
whatever new habits or goals or things that we put into our schedule, we're going to have to fit them in somewhere. So how should we look at that as we kind of close out 2023 and look at maybe trying to start 2024 in in an even stronger, better, more motivated way? Uh, so in, in two words, time management, or I guess three words, time management skills. I mean, really the core skill as you get older and you have more responsibilities, especially as you have, you know, things like family come in or if you have like big job duties, big job responsibilities, your ability to manage your time is everything because in the long term, it's almost hard not to get better at climbing if you dedicate a lot of time to it. Time is the crucial ingredient. So as you have less and less time, it's just going to get harder to progress just by virtue of putting less of that time resource in. So the more time you can dedicate, the higher your chances of progressing and performing, right? That's kind of the basics of the equation. Like when you were speaking about that a minute ago, I was reminded of a friend of mine who I was talking to who had a, a kid this year. And he, he said like, I weep for how much time I wasted before I had a kid. Because you know? totally. now, now he has this kid and it's just like, everything is just a, a battle for him to like get to the gym and try as hard as he can and get out of there as fast as he can. Cause he has to go make food for the next couple of days and he has to get back to work and all, you know, and before it was just casual, like three hour moonboard session. No, no worries about like resting 10 minutes before the next try. You know, I think that's really what dad strength and mom strength is. They just don't have time to mess around. Like, yeah, <laughs> totally. And, it's so funny because yeah. like you also just can't, you can't take a time machine and tell yourself that like hindsight's twenty twenty. So if you talk to somebody who's in their mid twenties right now, they're going to say, I'm so busy. I don't, I just don't have the time. It's crazy. Like whatever. And then the next thing happens, yeah. you have the kid or the relationship or the job and you're like, oh my God, I had so much time. And then, you know, we had our yeah. one kid and then we adopted our daughter and we were like, oh God, when it was just the one kid, it was so easy because we could put him down and go do things. But now we got two kids in two bedtimes. And so, you know, it just never, I guess maybe the moral of the story here is we're 15 minutes into this conversation is like, wherever you're at right now, is both great and bad and so we just kind of have to embrace the reality that is right now whoever you know whoever you are listening right now this is a little end of year therapy session here with coach and i feel like maybe then this could be a, a good way for us to transition into what you're bringing here maybe once we realize that yes time management's important and we're all going to have different pushes and pulls on that what it really comes down to then is what's the level of quality of whatever it is that I'm doing. And we're to here to talk about climbing. So it's going to be more about kind of quality of our climbing, our training or, or our projecting. And if I've got two hours a day and one hour I can use at the gym and another hour is actually broken up into 15 minute blocks in between phone calls or kids brushing their teeth, you know, what can I do? How can I optimize the quality of that time? And that's where I think there is real area for opportunity, at least in, in the conversation that I've had and what I've read, you know, of, of what you've put out there. And if that sounds good to you, I'll, I'll hand it off to you. Maybe we can just talk about like, okay, we're, we're looking at 2024. We're coming off of a fall season. We're getting into, you know, maybe winter, either climbing or training. And what stands out to you as uh, maybe the, the difference makers or the biggest levers we might want to focus on over the next few months here? Yeah, I think that's great. I think my list is going to tie back into that, tie back into some of that pretty nicely. The one thing I will say before I dive into the list is when you get really time poor, you know, especially when you're like a parent, I think lifestyle creep, you know, we often think of lifestyle creep in context of money, like as you make more money, you spend more money. 
And I think the other kind of lifestyle creep is as you have less time, you're also, it's easier to be kind of not worse with your time, but some people swim and some people sink, you know, like I have a really bad habit of the more busy I get, the more desperate I am in the evening to just go like veg out and watch TV. But like when I'm busy is actually when I need to do that the least. So I guess to, to put that, you know, to like have the rubber meet the road there, like if you're close to sending your project, you know, it's going to be even harder for you to get out and send it when you're getting busy like this. But that's also when it's the most important for you to figure out how to sacrifice something and, and get that like chance to try to red point it. That's really like that intrinsic motivation is where you're like, yeah, no, shit's really real right now and I have a lot of stuff going on. But this is when it matters the most for me to like push the pedal to the floor and try really hard to get this done because it might be like my last opportunity until April or whatever. You know? Yeah. And there will be more opportunities. Yeah, but if you really want it and you want to be trying something else come April, then yeah, you got to fight for it. Oh, should I um yeah, should I should I jump into the list? Otherwise, we'll just chit chat yeah. the whole time. <laughs> yeah, no, we yeah we should jump into the list because now I'm feeling anxious about my project. So you got to take my mind off of uh, okay. So, all right, yeah, um, let's let's get into yeah. it, man. Okay, these are numbered, but they're not really in any particular order. So number one is I like to just reflect on my previous year sometime near the end of the year around New Year's. So I'll make a list of my top experiences from the previous year, and I'll get into why I do that later part of it is just a confidence thing i like to sort of think about you know what are the five or ten things that i did this year that were really memorable and i try to see the value in different experiences they don't all have to be sends a lot of the time this is just like i got out with a friend or like i, I went out with a new person who i didn't know very well and it was really rewarding climbed into a new area that was really beautiful like those kind of things often show up on this list like this year i set a deadlift pr which i haven't done in probably like eight years so that'll definitely be on my list even though it's not climbing right and yeah, one big obvious value of that is it just, it shows you where the value in the sport is for you. Cause it's really easy to get to the end of the year and be like, you know, I climbed a new grade and that's like the thing you're really focused on. You know, that's what you like celebrated with your friends. Like I did my first V7 in the gym or whatever. And that's really cool. But if you force yourself to dig a little deeper, I think you'll find things that are like slightly less outcome driven than that. Like, and those might be the reasons that you're more willing to try hard. The reasons that you're able to sacrifice something when you really need to try to like send a project or whatever. So that's step yeah. one is just reflect on the year. I like that. And is there, do, do you aim for a certain number? Do you aim for certain buckets? Like you were saying, kind of like experiences versus accomplishments. You know, how structured is this reflection? It's Yeah, it's not. It's just spitballing. Like, And it's usually about 10 things. You know, years where I'm busier with work or I did less traveling, there's probably going to be slightly fewer like peak climbing experiences on there because even though training is great and I have a lot of fun in the gym, you know, I often, if I climb something on the board, I usually forget the name of the board problem like the next day or whatever, like that stuff doesn't stick quite as long. But when I'm climbing right. outside more, so like 2023 will be a very hard year for me to review because I was really, I mean, we set, we, we really pushed it hard this year. We went to Waco for a while and we also went to Europe for a while. So there's just a lot to like digest and think about. And so maybe the list will be extra long this year. I'm not sure. Yeah, cool. And does any of this play into, sorry if I'm jumping ahead here, but had you set goals for yourself for 2023 and are you reflecting on whether you hit those or not? Does that play into this or is it more kind of pure than that? You're just looking back at just things that were memorable. In this case, yeah, I'm just, it's very experiential and I don't usually tie this to my goals too much. And 2023 specifically, I actually deliberately didn't set any goals on paper. Partly is partly to for the same reason as how I opened the podcast where I just don't think that I think we get very obsessed with like, oh, you have to set goals and they have to be 
you know, the SMART acronym and they have to this. And it's just like, you're just giving people more stuff to do. Like you want to do your 13A, right? You don't need to write that down necessarily. Like it might motivate you right. to make it your phone lock screen or whatever. I think that's a great idea. But the more things you put on that list of shit you have to do, it's the more you're actually just kind of like making it harder for you to achieve them. Sometimes it's best to just know the thing you want to do and really, you know, I had a great year. I don't, I didn't need to like write down the things I wanted to do. I know what they are. <laughs> right. Right. <Yeah. laughs> great, man. Okay, good. I love that one. I think that's a, a great way to um, bring in a little gratitude and, and just, uh, you know, kind of a pat on the back for, for what we were able to do uh, this, this year. Um, what else? So, okay. So the next one, which ties directly into that is uh, I usually look at that and I, I think about my barriers. So like, what were the things that prevented me from having good experiences this year? Or the inverse is when I look at those major experiences, what was it that I got out of the way or what was like not a problem in my life that enabled me to do those things? So usually when I look at my peak experience, it's either like I was on a trip, I had a period of like low work stress or, you know, like in this case, my, my wife wasn't working for a chunk of last year. So it was like, we were, we got to travel more. Right. So I had more peak experiences because there was like slightly less logistics in our lives as an example. Right. Sure. That's not one that you can like reproduce all the time, but like periods of low work stress periods where, you know, your kid's situation is like easier family situations, easier than it might be, or you've been like settled in your house for a while, you know, or you're sleeping particularly good because you bought a new bed or like whatever the thing is, right. To try to make those connections between the good experiences that you have and stuff that was not an obstacle at that time. Cause the more you identify what those obstacles are, the easier it is for you to make all that stuff easier on yourself in terms of time management skills, in terms of your overall recovery and load management. So I'm basically, what I'm trying to do is like start with the, you know, the end result that I want, whether that's a process thing or, a, or a, an outcome thing, and then kind of work backwards to see like, how is it that I was able to make that work for me in that situation or if it wasn't the year I wanted, or if I didn't have the experiences I wanted to do, why did it work out that way? What was it that I missed? What were the barriers that prevented so you're, me? You're from doing both as part of this, this exercise is, okay, well, I was able to, you know, go on that amazing climbing trip because X, Y, Z, I had a little more disposable income. My parents were healthy, so I didn't have to take care of them. I had good babysitters, yada, yada, yada. So those are, you know, essentially the barriers that either you removed or that didn't present themselves in order to allow you to do that. But then you're also saying, I wanted to take this other trip, but I couldn't because, you know, my, right. my kids got, got sick busy. and I, you know, I had to yeah. take care of them. So, you're, so we're identifying the things that were removed to allow us to do, have the good experiences or accomplishments. And we're also identifying the things that maybe prevented us from achieving certain accomplishments. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think that stuff is a very big driver of performance, arguably a bigger driver of performance than like finger strength or anything like that. Right? No, no. No, I'm, I'm going to delete that. <laughs> it's just all finger strength all the time. I know. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm a sick kid or a sick parent or a parent you're taking care of or something like that. It's obviously, it, it just doesn't, it, maybe you could make an argument that having stronger fingers is better because your time's constrained. So you really need that one try to count, but it's a much better course of action to like try to snag the performance periods when nothing's crazy, nothing crazy is happening, you know, than to try to hit it backwards. So, and I'll give you a practical example, one that I haven't even done this for 2023 yet. I haven't done my reflection, but one that I know will be true is that my fall season was very good for me. And I know that on paper because the volume and intensity of climbing that I achieved is about the same as last year, but I spent like 30% fewer days climbing outside. And I know that wow. those are connected. Like 
I was less tired, really. That's the barrier that I removed for myself is I wasn't climbing so much that I was tired all the time. So I was able to maintain this really high level of intensity. And I, I think I probably did a better job of it than any previous year. And it would be easy to just look at the accomplishments and be like, oh, it was kind of the same as last year. But when I tie it back to that number of days out thing, I'm like, oh, actually, that was like a banner year performance. It's a, a really important perspective shift. Cool. Cool. I like the order that you presented these. Okay. So I've noted both of those things. Now what do I do? Okay. All right. I'm going to jump to an extremely practical one, which is going to be very, very jarring, but it's I actually think it's an important thing. And I do, I usually do this every winter and every summer, but it is a, a new year's thing, which is to just clean all your shit. I, I don't yeah. know about you, but I'm like terrible at cleaning out my pack. So Usually in a year, I've never twice a year I take my, my pack, pack and I just turn it upside down and it's full of like band-aid wrappers and bar wrappers and uh, I always have so like, you know, balled up tape in my chalk bag pocket and like every bag and I own and coat pocket I own has like balled up tape. I'm This is probably making me sound like a disgusting goblin, but um, it is real, a really important uh, step to take at the end of the year. I, and I usually take that opportunity to like repack my skin kit. I usually buy like a new super glue you know if i need to replace like my shoe spray or any of that all that stuff like takes place when i do the clean out because i realize all the things that have been driving me crazy like that i you know i haven't had tape in my bag for like two weeks and it's been the performance season so i've just been like hammering it and like asking people for tape or whatever you know um so basically a chance to like get reorganized lay all your crap out on the floor and like you know get all the trash out of your bag and stuff i think it's a really good time of year to do that Oh my God. I love this. This is great. Especially like this really speaks to like the OCD in me. And, you know, it's funny because at least for me, there may not be an end to the season for us this year because of the El Nino pattern. It's like a warmer, drier season here in Kentucky. Like there may not even be an end. But I like the idea of maybe just like over the holidays, just like you said, turning that thing upside down and just dumping it all out, getting rid of the junk and taking a little inventory. Can we geek out for a second about what you like to have in your kit? So yeah, I love the shoe spray and I love, I usually use super glue or like Gorilla Glue. And I guess a nice tip for people is I have like prescription pill bottles, you know, like the slightly bigger ones. So I put, I have like a few of those in my skin kit, you know, and you can put shoe spray and super glue and stuff in there so that they don't get battered in your bag. And you can also yeah, fit cool. band-aids, band-aids in there. I also have one that has like ibuprofen and Percocet in it in case I like am climbing by myself and break an ankle or something like that. God right. forbid. So I like those pill bottles and, and in my bag, mostly just general normal climber stuff. I, I think, you know, shoes, chalk, usually I have sandpaper, water. I always have extra food at the bottom of my bag. Usually, you know, stuff that stays in there pretty much the whole season because it's just in there in case I forget to bring food or I leave my bag, my, my food bag in the car or whatever. Lately, I've been bringing these like caffeinated boulder bears they're called guy sent me like a sent me a bottle of those and they're actually pretty sweet like if you don't have time to go get a red bull or you know you didn't make a coffee before you go climbing or whatever it's kind of nice to have like some extra caffeine in your bag so i've kind of been digging on that um yeah, cool. that get dangerous like else? if you're like hungry and you want a handful of gummy bears oh yeah <laughs> indefinitely I, i'm oh. pretty caffeine sensitive and it says to take five and the one time i took five i was like yeah i'm not doing that again because I, I didn't i had a really hard time falling asleep that night your hair but is like, tingling yeah, yeah totally Hope yeah two are, two is good two is good one other one other tip that's not really related to your bag but i pretty much i drink a protein shake every day and um i always like make my protein shake and have it in the car so that the second i get back to the car i'm like drinking it on the way home that's pretty important for me um and i'll I usually put like a 
I'll buy, I'll buy a box of those absolutely disgusting Costco protein shakes and I'll just leave that in my truck. So if I forget my protein shake, I, I have some in the truck. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. I just try to, I try to, it's like, it goes back to the barriers thing. I just try to take all the barriers out so that I like can't mess up. You know what I mean? Make it as easy for myself as possible. And do you have a crag bag and a gym bag separate? I use the same bag for each. And then, so I have a truck that's like built out with a, the like long drawers and the drawers have every imaginable like accoutrement for bouldering that you can think of. So I have like, you know, a ladder and a rope and a harness and 20 pairs of shoes and brushes and food and a stove and coffee and all that stuff is all in my truck. So if it's like a further hike, then it's kind of complicated to get that stuff. But anything that's, you know, remotely roadside or like five minutes, if I need a different pair of shoes, I usually just like run to the truck. And Leavenworth, where I climb most of the time, is like fairly roadside-ish. So, you know, if I decide I need something, it's not terribly hard to run back and get it. So that's kind of like my home base. But yeah, if you climb somewhere where you're hiking a couple of miles, you need to be probably more organized than I am here. I'm, I might be getting lazy. I need to go climb in Colorado for a season and remember how hard it is. <laughs> yeah, totally. Dude, I love this one though. Like this is again, like as a, like a practical tip and somebody like for somebody that kind of geeks out over like organization and cleanliness and these kinds of things, something that I haven't done, but now I'm going to do is dump my bag upside down, throw away the two-year-old expired granola bars and put some <laughs> new ones in there. And I thought of another one. I thought of one more thing, one more thing. Shorts for me, because I always wear pants and I need shorts in my bag. And when I don't have them in there, inevitably I have to knee bar and personally knee barring over pants just is a no-go for me. So I need shorts in my bag. Yeah. Layers. layers are good. I think that's a great tip. I mean, this time of year, I'm, I've am i got, you know, hats and gloves and puffy pants stashed in my bag. But in the summertime, I'm kind of opposite where, like, I don't like climbing with exposed knees. It's a weird, I don't know what it is. It, I feel very vulnerable. Mm. So, like I, like, I remember Stephen giving me shit because I was like, I posted a picture of me out in August in the red climbing in pants. And he's like, the hell are you doing climbing in pants? <laughs> I'm just like, I just, I can't have naked knees, but I'm trying to get to the point where climbing in shorts is, is comfortable for me. And a lot of my friends will have like a bathing suit or a pair of shorts, just like always in their bag in case they need to, to, to switch to them. So great tip there. Yeah. Good Steven man. was just, I was just climbing with Steven in like 25 degree weather and he was wearing shorts and like uh, he had taken a pair of socks and cut the toe off of them so that he could have like leg warmers under his knee pad, you know? So it's just like shorts, <laughs> knee pad like leg warmers I'm like yeah this is the new climbing fashion for sure i love it it's great but of course with like the beanie on yeah definitely yeah got to keep the ears warm you got to keep the, the thighs it, so. cool but yeah exactly it it's, it's, it's working <laughs> totally all right let's keep moving what do we got all right so number four so being a coach with a presence on social media and i'm currently talking on a podcast so i'm again maybe slightly shooting myself in the foot hopefully i'm not also shooting you in the foot but i think it's really important to look at our information diet and occasionally like take a step back from all the information that we consume. I, I think this is just generally important as humans because we're kind of being bombarded by insane amounts of information all the time. But uh, especially in a climbing context, if you just, you know, if you listen to like all the major podcasts and you followed all the major like climbing coaching things on social media and all the YouTubes, you'd have like 80 days of content to consume every week, you know, like there's no way you could right. keep up with all of it. So I think my suggestion there is like, just look at your information diet and think about all the stuff you're consuming and consider taking just a short break from that stuff, you know, especially at a time of year when you're trying to really reflect on your climbing, 
even just taking like one week or a couple weeks off from all the podcasts and stuff will kind of let you think about your actual climbing. Because one thing, one thing that's tough about coaches, and I say this as a coach, is that we, are, we need to give a general message that sounds useful to a lot of people, but each specific person needs a specific message. So I'm trying to attract people to work with me so that I can then give them more specific and actionable information. But in order to do that, I have to be very vague in general. And vague advice gets vague results, right? So when you're being bombarded by vague advice, you're gonna think that all that stuff applies to you, but really maybe there's just one thing that you need to pay attention to. So don't stop listening to Ryan's podcast or Steven's podcast or, or stop following me on Instagram, but consider just taking a break from that stuff for a few weeks and sort of seeing where your mind goes about your own climbing. Cause the stuff that you wind up thinking about when nothing is prompting you is probably stuff that's important. And then you can, you know, find a more specific source of information on that when you, whenever you come back to daylight. Yeah, man. I, <clears throat> excuse me. I really like that. I think that's super sound advice. Just like a information detox from time to time is so important for us to create that space and either process all that we've just drank out of the fire hose or to your point, really get back in touch with like our own thoughts, our own goals and dreams and things that keep popping up. And then you slide back into some information mode again, but maybe with a little bit of a new per perspective and filter on what it is that you want to consume in terms of information and to address. Because there are a lot of people out there, and myself included, that are telling you from week to week wildly different things. If you know, if I talk to Dave McLeod one week and I talk to Alex Magos a second week, they're going to be wildly different perspectives on nutrition, right? Yeah. Both of them valid. Both of them elite climbers. You know, both of them research based, but totally different. And um, if you don't have a sense for where you want to be or where you might need, you might say yes to one and then whiplash to the next one the next week and then be like totally lost. So yeah, I think it's important to to know that with all of this information out there, there's got to be a way to consume it in a, like in a meaningful and useful way. And aside from just like kind of taking a detox, what other thoughts do you have on that while we're on the subject? You know, with so much information out there, climbers, coaches, podcasters, YouTubers, this kind of thing, there's no shortage yep. of... First of all, there's no shortage of shit, but there's also no shortage of quality stuff as well. And um, it can be confusing on how to separate the two. Yeah. Well, I mean, definitely be really cynical and dubious of clickbait. Anything that's less than like 10 seconds long is just to get your attention. It, and it's not supposed to provide any nutritive information value. So I would just probably disregard all of that stuff, even if it's even if it's me posting it, you know, it's honestly just to get your attention. So yeah, be really dubious. And if some if that's all that somebody posts and all their content is like that, I would be very cynical about that that feed of content. And for other sources where it's actually, you know, valuable information, like you have people like Lattice who are putting out, I don't even know how many videos they make a week, but you know, several high quality long videos a week. It's good information, but you should still consider whether it actually applies to you before you worry about implementing any of it. Otherwise your to-do list of stuff you have to do is going to get really long. That's why I suggest the detox because then you'll kind of be like, okay, I haven't listen to anything for a couple of weeks. I've really just been paying attention to my own climbing. What do I, what am I sensing? You know, maybe I'm feeling like I need to work on my ability to edge on small feet. Maybe I'm feeling like I need to work on my hip flexibility or something, and then go find a information source. Like you go get the information and bring it to you instead of just letting it come to you on the feed. I think you have a much higher chance of it actually applying to what you need. I love it. I think it's great. And, and it, it times out perfectly because uh, after this episode airs, I'm taking a two-week break before I air any more um, new content. So 
You won't miss anything, you guys. Turn it off. It'll all be there nice. waiting for you after the new year. Uh, and you did that out of the goodness bit. of your heart, just for your listener, right? That's right. Because I knew that you were going to have some very valuable advice just like that. You know what? I'm canceling the next two weeks of episodes <laughs> just for you. If, only if you're a patron will you be able to listen to Drew Ruana. Everybody else, it is not going to be coming out for a couple more weeks. And um, that's really good, man. I think that's super sound advice. I love it. Okay. Tip number five. Where are we at? Tip number five. Okay. So looking ahead to 2024, just the first step of brainstorming for me is like, what kind of year do you want to have? If I'm talking to a client about their upcoming year, I usually split climbing into three main, three main goals. So performance, which is trying to climb the hardest things you can. Progression, which is just trying to get better as fast as possible. And fulfillment which is just trying to have valuable experiences. And those three things are not mutually exclusive. You can get, you know, some of all of them or some of two at the same time for sure. But you can definitely maximize, you know, you can you can min-max it a little bit by like paying the most attention to one or the other. So for me, 2023 was like a very progression-oriented year. I'm still very much like trying to get better at climbing and that's what I'm trying to spend most of my years doing. And that there wraps up the freebie portion of this insightful chat here with Coach J Fire. But guess what? Don't get mad at me because you can hear the full pro clinic, another 45 minutes and six items on Jesse's list here for absolutely zero cost with a free trial. Hell yes. I'm going to tell you about that in a second. But first, let me tell you what Coach J Fire covers in the rest of this pro clinic. How to prioritize climbing goals, the one thing to focus on in January that's going to yield immediate results in your training. A challenge involving grades and what grade we should all be thinking about as we look at 2024. A new way to look at sets and reps in our training plans. And also the type of finger training that Coach Jfire recommends that we all switch to in 2024. It is all there for you patrons and subscribers, which is totally free right now with a trial membership. And that trial membership, whether you're on Patreon or Apple subscriptions, will also score you instant access to every other pro clinic and bonus episode that I've done, from Ravioli Biceps Breaking Down the Moonboard, to Drew Mack on How to Build Endurance, to Allison Vest on Advanced Bouldering Tactics, and so much more. I think you're going to love that stuff and want to stick around as a paying member, but if you don't, then just quit before your free trial's up and you won't be charged a penny. Now, I am working my harness off over here in the podcast slash utility closet, and your all support is really what makes it all possible, so thank you so, so much. Hey, I might even be able to make this my full-time gig if enough of you find value in what I'm doing and are willing to part with a few bucks each month, which I know is not easy to do. So if you do come aboard as a patron or a subscriber, thank you. It really means a lot to me. You can learn all about it and hop into that free trial over at patreon.com slash show. Or if you're an iPhone person, you can just double click for a free trial right there in your Apple podcast player. Hey, Jesse, if people out there want to work with you, how do they get in touch? Yeah, probably just DM me on Instagram um, or go to my website, jfireclimbing.com. And there's like a, an application form on there. Yeah, I have one-on-one -on -one coaching. I think that's probably going to be on a wait list until maybe spring. But I also have eight and 12 week plans through Camp 4. And those are not on a wait list. Those are ad hoc. And I will be releasing like a, a training plan for sale, like an amalgamation of all the best things that I've found seem to work with a certain type of climber. So um, mm -hmm. I think that'll be coming out probably in like January or February. So just a few options, a few options there. 
Yeah. And I have one more bonus know. tip before we before we get off the phone. Yes, I love a bonus tip. Okay. It's kind of corny, but my bonus tip is hug your climbing partners because you won't be around forever and, and neither neither will oh, you. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I, think, I think that's important. I'm um, not just as you're obviously reflecting on loss right now, but you know, we're we, we can get like really obsessed with just like our own personal performance in, in what we're doing, but to go out there and hug literally as well as metaphorically the people that we're climbing with support them uh i think that's so important and i appreciate that man that's a good one even the most stone cold lone wolf they don't do it alone they have mentors and teachers and partners so yeah nobody does it alone man just such a good sentiment to not only wrap up this pro clinic here with coach jesse but also to wrap up this year Y'all, I'm going to be taking a couple weeks off here to be with family and and hopefully to put down my proj that I'm just inches away from sending. So wish me luck. Wish me good condies. And I'm going to be back in January with a ridiculously banger season of megastars, struggles, and psych. So thank you so, so much. As Jesse said, nobody does it alone, and I certainly am not doing it alone. This podcast has grown so much over the past year and that's because of you you right there who are listening to this right now thank you so much i'm sending you tons of love this holiday season and i just cannot wait for you to have the best climbing year ever now y'all can find jesse on ig at coach j fire and on his website jfireclimbing.com he also works with the great crew over at camp for human performance so you can find him there and those links are right there in your episode notes the Struggle is carbon neutral in partnership with the Honnold Foundation and is a proud member of the Plug Tone Audio Collective, a diverse group of the best, most impactful podcasts in the outdoor industry. This show is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Devlin. I hope you have a wonderful holiday and a great new year. And if you're struggling to keep your training, your climbing, your family stuff, and just your sanity at this time of year, well, just remember the struggle makes us stronger. Stronger.